Welcome to the pod. It's been way too long since I published an episode. You guys, thank you for your grace with me. It's been a little bit of a minute. Um, it's been a whirlwind of the past few weeks of travel, but I am here. I am 30, flirty, and thriving. I am so, so into my business flow lately, and it's feeling amazing. And so part of that has been getting back into the swing of things with the podcast. I mentioned last time in my intro to Pia's episode that I had queued up a number of really fantastic guest slots with some incredible women. And today is the next in that series. I am interviewing my incredible friend and client, Nina Gamel. And she is a purpose coach who specializes in working with the mind and the body. And I just love this woman more than words can possibly convey. She is so multifaceted, dynamic, passionate, intelligent, driven, just a world-class soul. If, th- if there's a, ever a textbook definition of what that looks like, Nina embodies that to a T. So I can't wait for you guys to listen to this episode and be so inspired by her story, by her incredible approach to coaching that weaves in themes of identity and working with your wounds and your sources of pains to alchemize and bring new light into your life. I'm just like listening to this episode and doing the editing. I was like, oh my God, I'm like on fire right now. So I know that you guys are going to feel the same. So you'll have to let me know what you think in the uh, feedback. If you love this show, love this episode, feel free to leave a star review and I will see you on the other side. I can't wait to hear what your thoughts are on the episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Creatrix CEO podcast. My name is Carly Chetton and I am your host. And today I am joined by Nina Gamel who is a purpose coach that helps people ignite their soul on fire lives through a mind, body, soul approach. Nina specializes in helping people with multicultural identities build a home within themselves through love, compassion, joy, and playfulness. Holy shit. Welcome to the show, Nina. (laughs) Thank you so, so, so much for having me. I am absolutely honored to be here and excited to see where this conversation goes. Yes, it's going to take us to beautiful places. I just know it. Um, Full disclosure, everybody, Nina is a past client of mine. We just wrapped with our business coaching container and I just had to have her on the show. She has an incredible vision. Her approach to coaching is incredibly unique. And yeah, so Nina, I just want to start off with just a question on you know, let us a little bit more around your business. What do you do and who do you help? Yes. Thank you so much for that question. So my business, I create one-on-one group and coaching workshops for people ready to live a life with more purpose, more intention, um, more compassion. And just like you said, I specifically help people with multicultural identities sort of come back to their mind, body, and soul because 
I myself am half Japanese and half American. So I've definitely been through a lot of identity crises throughout my life. Um, so I specifically thought it would be amazing to help people who are struggling kind of understand where home is for them and who have suppressed maybe part of their identities throughout their life and try to find those people and create and design coaching programs specifically for them and their needs. So that's a little bit about my business and I'm still in the beginning stages and I'm so honored that you've been able to help me build and grow my um, coaching business and I'm just so, so honored, but it's been such an incredible journey and ride so far and I'm so excited to keep expanding and growing and just see where my heart takes me. That's so beautiful. What would you say it is about your work that inspires you the most? I think what inspires me the most is seeing people activate their heart chakras more. Like that is the most beautiful thing when I'm in a one-on-one coaching session or I'm in a workshop or I just ask a question even to a friend or a family member that just makes them think and it makes maybe them think about a way of living that they haven't thought about. And I feel like in this world that we live in, our heart centers are something that we don't connect to. Um, It's usually more we're connected to our minds and we think the mind and our thoughts are just so much more powerful than our emotions and our hearts and our bodies. And in my work, I think that's one of my main main goals is to remind people like, no, your heart has incredible messages for you and it's safe to follow. And it's, and if you just listen, it will take you to beautiful places. But again, we live in a society that definitely puts a wall there and it's kind of um, radical, I would say, to follow those those heart messages. So I'm just not really about like being in the mind and the rational, just like you, not about like the rational, logical paths that people take. I think there's just so much more to life. Um, so what inspires me the most is definitely seeing people be like, I felt my heart like I feel my heart center like pulsating or I feel it like I feel some feelings around here or I love it when people say like I just I feel something that I've never felt before like that just lights me up so so much because I think oh my god this person is transforming like right in front of my eyes (laughs) and it's beautiful to see Um, And I understand that feeling because I was very closed off, I would say, and disconnected to my body for a really long time where I didn't even really understand what it meant to have your heart chakra like open or follow you, you follow your heart. I think we hear that all the time, like in society, like listen to your instincts and gut or follow you, follow your heart. We hear that all the time, but do we really do it or do we really know what that feels like? Um, so yeah, that's definitely what inspires me the most. That's beautiful. We've talked a little bit in the past around 
trusting intuition as well. And you've talked to me about how you've tracked your intuition over time, just to kind of see like where it leads you and what ended up being true or not. What are some things that you recommend for people to build more trust in the impulse that their heart is Mm -hmm. giving them Mm -hmm. over time? Like, you know, as you want to strengthen that muscle a bit more and you want to really tune into the voice of your heart, what are some ways that people can think about doing that? Definitely. That's a beautiful question. Thank you. Um, I think first, what really helps is tracking because that really builds your your trust muscle. So I usually just have my journal and I have like one page that says like intuitive messages or pings or downloads, whatever you want to call it, just write it in your journal. And whenever something comes like intuition comes in many ways, it can come just a deep sense of knowing it could come through like in um, like whispers or like symbols. And like, there's so many ways that intuition can come through and never think you're crazy. (laughs) Never think you're crazy (laughs) for listening to your intuition. Like just know that there's something powerful there. And if you just listen, it will lead you to a beautiful place. So first I recommend tracking it because once you track it and once you take the action and follow it or do what your intuition is kind of guiding you towards, I guarantee it's going to guide you somewhere beautiful and aligned. So that's going to kind of build, build your trust muscle. Another thing I would do is just body inquiry, really connect to your body. I would say my intuitive hits come very strongly in like my heart and stomach gut area. So it really depends on the person, but I would say connecting to your breath and just connecting to your body. And if it's like a major life decision, moving somewhere or changing careers or needing help understanding if you need to end a relationship or not, just like ask that question out loud or wherever you're feeling safe and just put one hand on your heart and one on your belly and just breathe into it and just see what your body, what feelings and emotions come up and what sensations are kind of, you know, flowing through the body. I think that's a beautiful way to listen to the, listen to those heart messages. Mm. Um, yeah, those are, those are mine right now. And it's taken me to really incredible places and I know I'm still trying to strengthen it each and every day because it's definitely a skill that we need to cultivate, but I definitely recommend like listening and just seeing, yeah, seeing where it takes you. That's beautifully said. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. I feel like personally, if something feels exciting to me or if it feels expansive or even like at some level, if it has some level of like fear of the unknown, I always try to head in that direction. Yes. <laughs> and by natural extension, that does kind of require you to have some blind trust because a lot of times, like it may be the crazy radical decision <laughs> that mm-hmm. people in your life may not completely understand, but you know that it's your truth because you're lit up by it. Your friends can detect the difference in your voice when you talk about it. Versus if you were to continue to choose the unaligned path, it feels dull to you. It feels inhibited. It feels like you're in a box. We talk a lot about how you help people build their own damn box as well in your coaching. 
So I could totally see how this kind of intersects with that. So yeah. Oh my gosh. But just like you said, I, I feel like intuition again in society, right? There's just so much discussion on like, it's crazy. It's not real. It's all these different things, but no, it definitely is. (laughs) It definitely, (laughs) definitely is. And it's so much more fun to like follow what you, I think a main message I always try to let people know through my work is, is it really true? Like what we learn and what we're conditioned to believe and what we hear from our family and media and society, is that like really the only way to live? And is that the only way you want to live? And it's usually a no, like I've talked to friends that I can definitely tell like it that are following more of the you know, practical, logical ways of living. And they're so upset with their lives. They're so upset with their work. They're so upset with their relationships. They're so upset with so many aspects of life. And, but they just think it's how it needs to be and Mm -hmm. how it should be. But, and of course, there's no connection to that intuitive intuition too. Maybe they think like, oh my gosh, that's just so out there or just so woo-woo, or just so whatever it is. But I think it really is just that fear of the unknown, like you're saying. And yes, it's scary at first, and it feels like very unfamiliar and very like, where is this going to guide me and take me? But you're going to be safe and you're going to be so, so joyful on the other side of just walking past that first, that first like walk of like, the fear just you have to step through it and there's so much on the other side I promise you mm-hmm. so yeah I can talk about intuition and stepping through the unknown and fear all day but yes <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I'm relating to this so hard right now with the decision to sell all my stuff and like take the nomad route. Like I had, I did a really beautiful breath work session this morning and I just felt my heart chakra, like literally like pulsating. Mm. And I was just so lit up and I was like, I don't want anything that's not labeled as crazy by traditional society. Like I will lead a very unconventional life because I have the trust in myself to navigate what it means. And I think a lot of that work involves you know, making that choice, going down that path. And also knowing that you don't owe anyone an explanation around taking that path or why you did it or why it's your direction. It's like a lot Mm -hmm. of times the people that have the greatest resistance to us doing that in our lives, or like, if you feel like you have to, you know, explain or prove or whatever, um, a lot of, I get that resistance and like, I'm just kind of like, yes. And I love the intention, but also I don't want the life that you have either. And like, that's okay that we can go on different paths. And that doesn't mean anything different about me because I'm following my heart. Like my heart is just as valid as like you following your mind. And like, that's the deep conditioning that we're breaking down when we make these really fearless decisions. So incredible that you are leading your clients through this. Like, mm, it's such big work. Um, I, I freak, I want to talk about your coaching business because it's so unique. This is why I loved working with you. It's that you're interweaving themes of both returning to purpose, talk about this idea of creating home and Mm -hmm. reclaiming identity. Mm -hmm. What would you say is the relationship between your sense of self and your sense of purpose? Mm -hmm. How would you say that they inform each other 
and how does one affect the other? Mm, Beautiful question, Carly. I love this so much. I think I want to first start with purpose and talk about how I view it and teach it in my containers and talk about purpose, dharma, soul's purpose. First First of all, we kind of think purpose is something outside of us or external. It's the action, it's the doing. Um, But I think the first level of purpose is it's who you are authentically. Like living your purpose is living a life that you can be who you are, period. And then once you really understand who you are and you really own and embrace and just love who you are at the core, then you can make decisions that are aligned with who you are. So that might be working in this organization or working to really try to solve the environmental crisis that's happening in the world. Or if you really want to teach um, elementary school students because you just love teaching and you love kids. Like if you don't know who you are at the core essence, right? And that of course takes a lot of deconditioning because of course, since we're little kids, we are conditioned to believe a certain way of a successful, happy life. And you might follow that path because I don't blame you. I definitely think I have followed that path a large portion of my life too. But you need to really just peel back a lot of those layers and get to the core of who you are. So I think that's the first layer of purpose work. And what I teach in my containers is we first just need to understand who are you? Like ask these big existential questions like, who are you? Like, what do you love? What are your passions? What really, really excites you and lights you up? Like these questions sound maybe easy to answer at first, but they take a lot of reflection and stillness and just raw honesty. Mm. So now me explaining this, like purpose is living a life that is integral and authentic to who you are at the core, then we can start kind of understanding how it's related to identity. And with the identity piece and reclaiming one's identity, this is really important because identity, how I see it, it's it's your story. It's a collection of your past experiences. And you can have so many different identities. Like if the basic ones, of course, that we always hear about, like racial identities, national identities, religious identity, sexual identity, like one person is made up of so many different beautiful colors and stories and expressions. And that all creates your like whole identity. And this directly correlates and relates to purpose being who you are. And I found that specifically like with my story um, and I can kind of go into it a little bit more. Yes. Being Again, my mom's Japanese, half Japanese, and my dad's American. I grew up my whole life in Montana. And me being probably one of the only Japanese girls in my whole school and no Asian representation really in the state of Montana, I was very, very self-conscious of my Japanese-ness and I wanted to suppress it all the time. And I just wanted to be seen and looked at as a white person because all my friends were blonde hair, blue eyes. They were also all from Christian households, something that I, A, of course, do not have blonde hair and blue eyes. And B, like 
my family, Japanese side is Buddhist. So just very different, very, very different than everyone around me. So of course, when you're a young person, you want to be like everyone else's. You don't want to stick out. Hmm. So I was just suppressing my Japanese side so much. And I can also see when living with my mom, she would be really sad about that. And actually, I haven't really talked with my mom about this, but I plan on definitely talking to her more about this kind of the the feelings that I had when I was younger and never really meaning to hurt her and wanting to hide my Japanese part. But it was just how I wanted to survive basically when I was younger. Hmm. Um, But then I moved to California for college when I was 18. And that's when I started to see so many more people specifically Asian Americans, like owning and embracing their identities, whether they were Chinese American, Korean American, Japanese American, or mixes of like Chinese and Japanese or Indonesian and Thai, like there's just such diversity in that state. And I was just so grateful to be around people that were embracing their cultures and really celebrating their cultures. And I thought, wow, I never celebrated my Japanese culture. Like I have totally tried to shove it under the rug such a large portion of my life that I never thought, wow, what what an amazing and incredible thing to be Japanese. So I decided then to take a year abroad, um, study abroad trip to Japan and live in Tokyo. And that was the first time living in Japan That was the first time really reconnecting with my roots, the language, the culture. I mean, I went to Japan every summer to visit my family for one month, but it was just so short and there was just not enough time to really sink into the culture and understand how it um, really did affect me and how much it really made me happy because I love Japan. But when people would ask about it in Montana, I would be like, I don't want to talk about it or... I just, I just don't want people to know this about me. Um, but going back to going to Tokyo and studying abroad there for a year and I loved it. And I felt so connected to the country, kind of like what you were just saying with Rome and feeling connected there when you went to Italy because of your Italian background. Like I felt so connected to Japan and it's just, it's not, you can't, I can't explain to you why I did it. It was just a deep feeling like walking around the streets and seeing um, older Japanese people in the trains and like the society and the food and just the, all these different microcultural expressions that I felt so just in awe of. And I, and I was able to live here so naturally, I would say, But also there was a lot of issues coming to Japan too, where I was definitely seen and I'm still seen as a foreigner here. I live in Tokyo right now. And instead of people thinking I'm Japanese, it's like they'll treat me like a white American girl. And that actually, that's when I started to think, wow, I'm experiencing the same feelings of trying to hide my Americanness in Japan like I was trying to do in Montana, trying to hide my Japanese-ness. So everywhere I'm going, I'm trying to shape shift and I'm trying to be this person that I think will be the most loved and accepted in that part of the world. 
And I was constantly abandoning myself <laughs> along the way because again, mm. I just thought, I just want to be loved. That was my deepest, deepest core um, need. And I think a lot of people, we just want to be loved and accepted. Mm. So that's when um, going back, I spent the year abroad in Tokyo and really reflected on the experience, but then went back to the U.S. to finish up my um, degree in California. And then I decided I need to go back to Japan and revisit a lot of what just happened. And I've been living in Japan the past five years, and I'm in a master. Well, I first did my master's degree here now, and I'm in a Ph.D. program, but it has been the biggest healing journey of my life to reconnect back to the roots, to reconnect back to this culture, to embrace all of me, to embrace my Japanese side, also to embrace my American side, and also to get deeper into these layers and understand like we are so much more than these national, racial, religious identities. And that's really what it is at the core. It's never, it's never been about like what nationality you are. It's like, just returning to who you are at the core, like just returning to who you are and then understanding how there is a reason I was born into this body. There is a reason why I was born to an American dad and a Japanese mom. There is a reason why so much of my core wounds revolved around not feeling like I was enough, not feeling like I belonged because now I am teaching this and coaching about this and finding people that are struggling and really not sure and confused about how can I actually like own and embrace all of me. Mm. So if we go back to this beautiful question of how does purpose and identity interconnect, it's really just right. Purpose being who you are authentically an identity, understanding how it can kind of like help you get deeper into who you are. Because again, I think celebrating and being very conscious of where your your roots are and your heritage and lineage is so beautiful. And just questioning like, why? Like, why am I, why was I born into this country? Or why was I born in, and have multiple passports and why was I given this gift or maybe you don't see it as a gift now like I did I didn't see it as a gift I thought of it as like damn it why do I need to be different but it is a part of my purpose though and we've talked about the red thread Carly of basically this is a beautiful exercise if you want to do in a journal you can just basically reflect and think about your whole life timeline think about the major challenges you've experienced in your life. Think about the people that have influenced you the most in your life. Think about the main places that you visited and really felt connected. And if you just write this all out on a piece of paper, you're going to start to identify a connection between all these experiences. It's, it's the red thread. And once I did that exercise, I was like, holy shit, holy shit. Like, there's a reason for all of this. There's a reason for all these difficult experiences with my background and identity. There's a reason that I am here in Japan right now. And I chose this country to be the country that I was going to unravel myself more in and to heal more of my wounds and, and to connect closer with my Japanese family and 
to work through these insecurities and fears. Like there's a reason for all of it. You just need to be, you know, courageous enough to take that step to really dig deeper. And there's just so much beauty, so, so much beauty on the other side, but even during it, during like the uncomfortable mm-hmm. unraveling and reflecting and healing of it, it's like, oh my God, so much freedom, so much just lifted off. Like I feel so whole. I was, and it's just a reminder too, I was always whole and complete, but it's the biggest, biggest blessing, like finally truly understanding and like feeling it in my body of how whole I am. So yes, I love this question a lot. So thank you so much for giving me the space to reflect and express this because it's it's something that I'm really excited to see um, how I unpack this further in my business and with people that have similar you know, stories of not being able, not feeling like they belong or not feeling like their home is anywhere or just feeling so ungrounded, Mm -hmm. but it's really just coming back to yourself and sitting with those, sitting with those fears, sitting with the pain, but also understanding it could be a beautiful, joyous and fun celebratory process at the same time. I think we think healing has to be all painful, scary, uncomfortable. Yes, there's definitely those feelings, but it can also be so fun and beautiful too. 100%. Like 100% it can be. I'm an example and many other people can be an example of that. Mm. Yes. So well said. And what Mm -hmm. an incredible story. I didn't know most of that information about you. Like your whole experience of, I knew growing up in Montana, but then the, the feeling of not having belonging, even when you went to Japan as well and continuing to persevere and being like, I have to go back. I have to create mm-hmm. a life here still. Mm-hmm. I love everything about that. And I think there's so much, like you said, there's so much power that resides in visiting the aspects of ourselves that we think separate us from others and are the reason why we don't belong when Mm -hmm. we come into like addressing that point of resistance face to face, I feel that that is where the freaking liberation and the freedom and the the breakthroughs come where it's like, Oh no, like I'm not separate from you. You're not Mm -hmm. like, it's not about identity and anything is one label, one aspect of self, one aspect of purpose. Mm -hmm. It's so much bigger than that. So when we come into that, that acceptance of ourselves, that giving ourselves permission to have that uniqueness, to have that differential, mm-hmm. that's when like the seamlessness comes and the flow comes. And just like you said, those moments of brilliance and just like having fun with it, the lightness, the levity, mm-hmm. it's all on the other side of like coming into those places of like, where, where am I feeling resistance within myself toward myself right now? Yes. And how can I heal that? And like your work exactly addresses that so beautiful thank you but it's so so true we need to meet the resistance we need the famous the saying is what um what you resist persists it really does and I think 
again, um, I also love this one. Alyssa Nobrega, a, a therapist, says this one, but it's like the triggers are the breadcrumbs to your awakening. And I have always kept that really close to my heart. And it's so, so true. Like what mm. triggers you, what you resist, those deep, deep insecurities, you got to meet it. You just got, you have to, <laughs> like, you can't just hide away from forever because there's, there's so much freedom once you address it, once you meet it with compassion and love, mm-hmm. whatever it is, you'll be able to work through it and have support along the way. I guarantee there's so many people that can probably relate to whatever you have experienced as well. Like you're never alone in your healing journey, but it's mm-hmm. just meet the resistance and now, like whenever triggers come to me, I'm like, ooh, what do I get to unravel now? <laughs> and usually, again, like the fun part is I usually dance. I just celebrate. I I dance it out. I like release the energy. I listen to really fun, like root chakra activating music and like get into my hips, move my hips around, maybe scream into a pillow a little bit, maybe write it burn it, whatever it is, there's so many ways that we can release and meet the resistance also with this love and compassion. I think that's actually one of my core philosophies too. It's like, whatever it is, if it's a shadow, a trigger, whatever it is, like meeting that with presence and compassion transforms the whole game and speeds up the process too. And I know it's harder said than done and you can't really intellectualize love, presence and compassion. You just like got to do it. Mm. It takes a lot of practice too. But that has totally transformed my healing journey is whenever I'm feeling a certain way, whether it's angry towards this friend for doing this or I feel really upset and sad towards my mom for creating this and the past or whatever it is. I just meet myself with love and compassion and acknowledge that my feelings are so valid. Like whatever you're feeling, it is valid. It is so, so okay to feel like that. Whatever those quote unquote, like negative emotions, feelings are sadness, anger, jealousy, whatever it is it's okay to feel like that. It's okay. Mm. It's, it's just so important to me, just tell yourself that and other people as well. Like we all must feel free to feel these feelings because if we don't, we're just going to be living these really like numb, sad, emotionless lives that don't create connection and true bond. So mm. I feel like that's also something I'm really, really passionate and I talk about a lot is like feeling the feelings and getting into the body and understanding that healing isn't just like a mental mindset thing. It's much more than that. It's like if you get, I I, I love the subconscious mindset work too. I think it's great. But if we really like drop down and tune into our bodies, holy shit, it's, it changes the game. It does. And we forget about that because we're like emotions and feelings. It's like not as powerful and strong as thoughts in mind. No, mm-hmm. not true. Mm-hmm. It's just not true. 
-hmm. you know, it's like how many mindset books or like self-improvement books or podcasts have you listened to and not really felt a change yet? Maybe it's something you need to like address emotionally, right? Mm. So yeah, feeling the feelings is big and meeting self with compassion, love, presence is huge. Mm. Absolutely. So beautifully said. Um, I want to know maybe your directive recommendations and maybe this ties into what you were just sharing on the basis of like somatic healing, but what would your recommendations be to someone who's looking to bring more of a sense of purpose into her life? Mm, Yes. Lovely question. I think the number one, mm, I think the first question I would ask this person, woman, would be what lights you up and what excites you. Mm. That is, I think, where it needs to start and begin because, again, purpose, another layer of this can be, right, live a life that is authentically, it's to live a life that is authentic to who you are. And another layer is like, who you are, you're going to be wanting to do the action, the service that really lights you up and makes you feel like, Oh, this is, this is giving me a lot of like juicy purpose right now. It connects directly to who you are. So I think a question would be like, what really lights you up? What makes you so, so passionate and excited? And I've asked this question many, many times. And sometimes the answer is I don't have passions. I don't really have anything that excites me. And that's okay. It's okay. Let's unravel that further. Okay. So what maybe excited you when you were young? Like, what did you love to do when you were a little kid? But maybe you just stopped doing because you thought, oh, um, that's just something that I used to love, but I don't like it anymore. Why did you stop? There might be a reason. Think about the things that you really like to do when you were younger. And that kind of gives you an idea of what your true passions are. Like for me, I have danced since I was three or four years old. I was put in ballet classes and then I've danced all throughout elementary, middle school, high school and college. And I still dance and it lights me the fuck up. I love dancing and it's such a big part of my purpose today too. So that's where I would start is if you're really seeking for more purpose, a big part of your purpose really is to live a life that is joyful, to live a life that is so, so loving and passionate. And like when you're doing something that lights you up, you're activating the heart chakra. You're, you're, you're reminding yourself that you are worthy of joy and love. And that's huge too, because we think like life needs to be so hard or we need to prove ourselves through our pain. And by saying like, I just had the worst day at work today. And it's just so hard with my boss. And it's like, once we hear this, we think we, it's just like the toxic and like the negative thought, like talk just needs to like keep going and going to prove our, to prove our place in society. Like, let's just try to not do that anymore. Everyone. (laughs) I'd rather hear what's lighting you up, right? Like what are, what's making you super excited? What are you constantly researching right now? If, you don't have that. It's okay. But I really encourage you if you want to live a more purpose-led life, like that's a big part of understanding who you are. Um, And 
I think this relates also somatically as well. Like maybe you don't think too much, drop into the body, see where your body is taking you. Like if you, let's say, want to find something you're interested in. I even do this when I'm trying to decide between a meal or a movie, like, oh, maybe I want to have sushi or I don't know, Mexican food tonight. I drop into the body and see what does the body want? And it usually gives me the signs. That's the same with what excites us. It's like, do I want to go dancing tonight? Or do I want to, I don't know, go play games at someone's house tonight? It's usually dancing. I feel it in my body. Like I feel it. So that's another way you can do it. Just it's body inquiry, just being really present, feeling the sensations. That's something that can be cultivated through practice and also through meditation as well, but it's an incredible skill to have. It changes the game for sure. Understanding the sensations, listening to them, they'll guide you a way that your mind can't all the time. Mm. So that would be my recommendation Mm. first. Love. So you do such a great job guiding your clients through practices like this. I'd love to learn a little bit more around how you view your purpose and what was your journey to discovering it. So you just mentioned that dance is a huge part of it, but what else would you say that your purpose is? Yes. So Carly knows this very, very well (laughs) because I talk about it all the time, but I know my purpose is to love and to remind people that the purpose of all of our lives is love. And I think love is something that can be broken down in many, many ways. But going back a little bit, I talked a little bit about my core wounds revolved around not feeling like I was good enough or not feeling like I belonged, feeling like I was inadequate in some way. And I was all always abandoning myself and able to like shape shift and mold into this person that I thought would belong to this group or this societal com- context or whatever it is. And it was just, there was such a lack of self-worth and self-love in a big part of my young adult years. Um, so again, I think, Thinking about purpose, there's a lot of answers in the in the pain and the muck of it and understanding your wounds. Like me feeling not enough in my past and now me recognizing that I am so full of love, like so full of love to the point I surprise myself every day with how much love I really have within me. And how much I just love to spread it and remind people of it. Like that is my purpose now. It was interesting how I had to figure that out through understanding my wounds, which was not feeling like I was enough or inadequate. And now I'm teaching people that might feel the same way that, no, you are more, more than enough and so full of love. And there's so much fire inside your soul and heart. And you just need to listen to it and just be reminded of it. Mm. And so I know my purpose in this lifetime really is that is, is to love and to remind people to remind themselves that they are love too. And they're so full of it. Mm. Um, 
And this is something that I want to step into more and more. It kind of feels like very, like such a big, big purpose that I'm like, holy shit, this is a lot to handle because love is, I think, the highest of all the frequencies. And it is so powerful. And sometimes it's like, wow, I don't know what to do with all of this. Mm. Like I, It's, again, something I can't explain. It's something I can only feel in the body. But sometimes I just think, wow, I know my purpose is this and just to keep spreading it and love can be expressed in so many beautiful, beautiful ways too. Um, but sometimes I think, wow, I want to be able to express this, live a compassionate love, a life of love, but sometimes we misconstrue love and think about it in different ways. And I think a lot of people pleasers, if you identify with people pleasing, we kind of think like, okay, I need to do this for this person. It's out of love, but it maybe might not be. It's because you want to receive that love and validation for yourself. So that's a big, big challenge that I've had to work through my whole life because I felt not enough in so many ways growing up. Of course, I wanted to receive that love and feeling of enoughness through what I did for people. Right. Mm. And that's been a huge, huge lesson. But then I realized like, this is so such a lack of love. I always thought this was love, but it was, it's such a lack of love on both sides for myself, Mm. abandoning myself to fit someone else's mold and also for the person that I'm pleasing because it's not coming from and an, it's not coming from integrity and or in an honest, loving place. So that's been a huge, huge, lots of layers around people pleasing that I've had to work through and I'm still working on. But mm-hmm. going back to my point, yeah, we really need to understand, is this true love or is it not? And you know immediately. And you can tell in your body too if it's coming from like an authentic loving place or if it's really a attached, you know, controlling. Codependent. You can immediately, immediately tell. Um, and that takes a lot of stillness and a lot of, it's like a hard pill to swallow too. And a lot of mm. forgiveness as well when you realize like if you think, oh, I've I'm always there and giving so much and just always there and loving the people around me. Why don't I feel, you know, like I'm getting anything from it or why don't, why do I feel like a lack of love for my friends and family? It's like, is it really love though? Yeah. Love it. It it sounds maybe more like an attachment or a codependent relationship, or this can be broken down in many, 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 many ways. And I'm still actually, breaking it down as I journal and process it and really step into this purpose of mine more. Cause I know I'm, I know I'm here to talk about this and especially mm. that dis- distinguishing the two, like true love and an attached kind of not love, because I think this happens all the time, not just romantic relationships, but friendships, family dynamics, Mm-hmm. in the workplace in your organization like it it happens all the time everywhere yes so that was kind of 
farther away from what my, oh yeah, but that's probably my purpose. I think <laughs> I love it so much. And like, it's so eye-opening and such an evolved definition of love too. Like I can think of so many dynamics where, you know, love given with strings attached, love mm. given with the expectation that you receive something in return, love right. given that somehow plays out to you feeling like bitter because you didn't, it wasn't reciprocated in some way. Like that is not true love. True love is given without conditions, without the need for acknowledgement, et cetera. Cause it just is, it's not mm -hmm. deployed with intention of getting something out of it. It's not strategic. It's not manipulative. It just is there. And I think that's such a beautiful distinguishment because it's so easy to get caught up in that of like, mm -hmm. like an, having an economical view of your relationships where like, I give you this, you give me this transactional like, transactional. Mm -hmm. Yes. And I can't help, but feel that any expression of love that comes from a place of self-betrayal or violating our own boundaries so that we can achieve X outcome in another person that only sets us up for disappointment. Like true love is something that's never ending and it will never disappoint you if you truly, you know, act from a genuine pure place of love mm -hmm. I just love that distinguishment you know that's awesome thank you yes and I really have been unpacking this further I was even journaling about this the other day and just like the word that you said yes we think about love in conditional ways hmm. and it's hard because I also truly believe in boundaries like you just said I really believe in um, telling a person about what you need in the dynamic and maybe creating space when need be. But I've also had to learn boundaries is, is love too. And we've yes. talked about this before as well, but sometimes it's like conflicting feelings at first when you're a little bit new to boundaries and you're new to stating your needs and putting yourself first. It's like, am I still being a kind, loving person? If I tell this person about how I feel really it can be really scary. I feel you. I really feel for you. I've been there many, many times where when you abandon yourself for so long and then you say how you really feel in a dynamic, it feels like you're being the the villain. <laughs> it feels like you're being the bad one. And then you're like, wait, 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 this is not. But boundaries is love as well. And just know that you stating your needs and telling this person you weren't okay with X, Y, or Z, like you are teaching that person how to love you. And that is something that is something I'll be working on my whole entire life. And I hope to help people with as well. But love, again, we are taught it has to be conditional. I, I am specifically going back into when I was like a little girl and grades and academics were just so big in my family, specifically coming from a Japanese mom and, and in Japanese culture. And I think a lot of Asian cultures, it's you prove your worth <laughs> through academia and your grades. And if you're number one and extracurricular activities, you better be winning all the time. It's like through the doing and the action that equals, oh, good job, Nina, or, oh, okay, now give me a hug. It's like, it's transactional there. And I was definitely conditioned since I was a little girl to always need to get the A pluses. And if I wasn't on the high honor roll or 4.0, whatever it was, I was just so, so scared of not being 
loved by my family. Like, honest, I know that sounds maybe crazy for some people, but that was such a fear of mine. And I think probably a lot of, especially I know Asian people can understand, <laughs> especially with Asian moms, that there's just so much tied to your status and how you perform and how you are on a piece of paper and everything adds up and it's 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 a lot for little kids it really is um but love is not it's taken me so long to and I'm still working through this like love is not conditional I do not need to prove my worth through what I am doing like I it's inherent you are worthy and you are so lovable just the way you are it's Mm -hmm. not your degree it's not what company you're working for it's not your who you're dating or who you're with like you as you and nothing else is so beautiful and so loving and don't forget because it's so easy to feel like you'll be you know not accepted and not loved by family or but this also it's it's different culture I I understand this a lot like this is a difficult conversation to have with the cultural layer when you really feel like you're going to be disowned from your family if you don't like please them in this way or do one of the high earning impressive jobs like I feel you but it's gonna hurt you more if you keep abandoning yourself though and there's I promise you like yeah culturally I understand I want I want to be very very clear about that but there are communities that can support and relate to you mm-hmm. um and also I think thinking about my mom my Japanese mom and my relationship now it used to not be the best but we're still healing and there's a lot a lot of healing happening I believe especially right now but I know that whatever I do deep down, she will love me regardless. Like the love will always be there. It might not be expressed that way, really. (laughs) It might not come off that way. The questions that are asked might not feel like loving, actually might feel the opposite. But underneath all of that, the noise and underneath all of that conditioning is like, such a loving authentic layer and I believe that in all human beings so if we can just try to remember that I think that's really really important very very important definitely that's so beautiful and it's incredible too like you say you know I want to honor the perspective of having the cultural lens there I think there's no one more credible to speak to this idea than you are right and that you have undergone that as well and you've overcome and charted out your own definition of what it means to live a wildly fulfilling life and Mm -hmm. still forge those connections and maintain the authenticity of that love with your parents too like you are such a model of how it's possible so so much so like I have so much admiration for you you are such an incredible person and Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you're so dynamic. Like that's my next question for you. Like (laughs) you are a model, you're in a PhD program, you're a purpose coach. You love to dance. You grew up in the U S you live in Tokyo now. Like I literally, 
I tell people about you and I'm like, this is my client, but like, she's really my friend. Cause she's literally so cool. Like I like, I'm like eager to like brag about how I'm friends with you. Like sincerely. So, <laughs> yeah. So like my question is like, you know, you have, you have such a beautiful balance of having the traditional aspect of like academia and like working in a high stress, high performing, high performing um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like prestigious context mm. and capacity. But then you also have this like, like so like embodied feminine side of you where you like, I see like you go to jazz classes and you love to dance. And like, you know, you're always posting like Whitney Houston songs. There's just so much <laughs> like joy and like just explosive <laughs> vibrancy coming from you. Like you're incredibly multifaceted. And you know, I think, I think about you being in these more prestigious, prestigious environments. And then also like having this interest in entrepreneurship and creating a business and taking a more unconventional route in line with that more like wild embodied feminine side, what would Mm -hmm. you say has you drawn to coaching where you could very easily go the traditional logical route, the academic route, given your PhD pursuits or any other career, I'm sure you could, you know, have a fast track to working in consulting or something like that. So how do you Mm. view entrepreneurship as a natural organic path for yourself? Mm, Such a juicy question. Love it, Carly. And thank you for all of that. (laughs) I I received it and (laughs) I'm flattered. I really am. Um, What has attracted me so much towards coaching and entrepreneurship is exactly that energy that I wasn't able to tap into with the PhD. And that's really the masculine energy. It's really with my PhD program, it's, and I'm, I'm focusing on international relations and political science. So it's very heady. It's very analytical. It's very, um, it's just very structured and like big process there big, big, long, long process with the PhD program. And it was just so much like rigidity that I felt I was not able to tap into this feminine energy that I knew I embodied and loved so much about myself. Um, I do have to say though, writing the dissertation has, I've been actually able to tap more into flow and femininity, um, interestingly, but I'll circle back there a little bit later. But with coaching and the business, it's been amazing to know that I can follow my heart and flow and design these really fun workshops and to let, I I always love when you said this, but like, let your inner child run the show and make these really big business decisions for you. And it being always the right decision. Like I, love being able to tap into this different side of me that really is just flowy and just so much more like I never know where it's going to take me really Mm -hmm. and but I trust that it's going to take me to beautiful places and so going back with coaching too a lot of it is the empathy and the compassion and the space holding and in a coaching session it's the flow as well. There's a light structure, of course, that we follow, but I'm very much more like, let's see how further we can go, like how much deeper, how many more dimensions we can go towards or layers that we can peel back further and further. It's just 
lights me up and fills me with so much joy. And it's this, it's that empathy. It's that feminine energy of like meeting people, right? Regardless of where they're at with love and compassion. Cause I see so much beauty and love in every human on this planet. It's, I, I just do. Mm. Like you can feel like you are the most broken, sad, screwed up person, but no, I don't see that at all. Like mm. I just so much beauty and love. So I love being able to tap into that where just like I explained with PhD, it's not really that <laughs> it's kind of the opposite, but actually me tapping more into this, the feminine energy, I've been able to grow that more and trust in it more and actually use that while writing my research and dissertation and letting like my heart pull me in different places. So that's kind of what I mean by, I think I was just so programmed to believe like it needs success and being in this academic program needs to be very structured and this, this, this. And there's a lot of men in the program as well that I'm constantly trying to constantly tried to like get my voice heard a eh? mm. <laughs> just a lot of a lot of um academic egos let's just say that are happening there but I just felt to be successful it needs to be this very masculine hard rigid like uh, approach and I would say that's in Japanese society too there's just a lot of it's a very masculine work culture and not just Japanese society let's just let's just say it's kind of everywhere in the world. It's like masculine equals success. Mm. Um, but it's just not true. And I love, especially your approach, Carly, to business and teaching um, women entrepreneurs that doesn't need to be like this. And that's what attracted me so much to your program. Um, Creatrix CEO is like, mm. we can use this other energy that's just as powerful. And just as fun, I would say way more fun too, <laughs> like way, way more fun. And it just, I do, I do want to say, but there, a balance is needed though, of course. And we've talked about how in order to let the feminine energy flow and flourish, you need to also have that structure, the masculine there as well. And I don't take that lightly. That's where the boundaries come in. That's where the structure comes in. That's where we have the plan. And I think all of that is just so important too. So I think that's what has appealed to me, like attracted me to this world the most is the balance of both of these energies, really being able to just use your imagination and let your inner child like imagine and create with you along the way and meet incredible people like yourself and like everyone in the Dharma Coaching Institute space and other coaches out there, um, especially again, this like feminine embodied approach I'm loving a lot right now. And I think it's giving a lot of great results to people too. Hmm. So uh, I'm really excited to see where I go with this and where my heart keeps leading me and how much more I, because it's just been such a growth learning curve for me. I come from a family of business owners and entrepreneurs, but I never thought I would be one too in my family. Honestly, I was always like, Oh, that kind of stuff. No, I'll do academia and 
hopefully that will that would lead to success but no like this is so much fun it's so so much fun and Mm. I'm just again really excited where where it takes me and how much more I can transform and remind people to come back to their hearts that's really one of the biggest messages is just come back to the heart and always trust in it like you're safe too Mm. just come back to the body and I just feel so good speaking and coaching about this Definitely. Yes. You are such an incredible model of that divine union of feminine and masculine energy. And I love the power that comes with accepting that it can be just as successful, just as viable, just as, um, it can have just as much efficacy coming from a place that is heart led, that is feminine flow driven I wrote a post on like naming my inner child CEO, like you talked about, like that's a really radical concept that breaks a lot of people's brains. And when you are successful because you harness both that energy and that you're pouring into your cup, you're nourishing yourself, you are flowing, you are giving yourself permission to be all that you are and having your authenticity fuel your results. When you like stand as a model of that, it is a mind fuck in the most powerful way to anyone that denies that and says it has to work X, Y, Z way. Like how, how radical it is that you're choosing this path in spite of having grown up in the environment of you, your worth is hinged on achievement, X, Y, Z, how incredible that I just feel like it's, it's a natural extension of how you come into that place of giving yourself permission to be who you are and not have those points of resistance within yourself. That also informs how you have the strength and the courage to choose a very unconventional path, such as entrepreneurship. And it's freaking beautiful. Like, I feel that your, your healing journey in coming to that acceptance has been so beautiful and has led you here in so many cool ways. How would you say that your healing journey has informed your business build? Mm. Oh my gosh. In so, so many ways, so many ways. I think the big, big one is of course, with building a business, there's going to be so many fears, especially starting out. Like I am with this coaching business. A lot of tests have revolved around relationships and kind of explaining, wanting to talk about my business and being so lit up by it. But just like you said, some people don't want to accept that this is also something that can make you happy, fulfilled and make you money. Some people really don't like that at all. (laughs) It's such an uncomfortable mirror. Like, oh, I don't have to be miserable to also be successful. Well then shit, what, how do you explain my life choices? How did, how was I not let in on the secret? Mm -hmm. Exactly. It really does just hold up this mirror and it shows you like, oh, why, like, this is actually what you can do to shit. It's yeah. So big tests have been just to stand, stand tall and grounded and just know like my purpose isn't to make sense or please or make people feel you know not uncomfortable I actually now find a lot of um 
what's the word? I think I find a lot of growth happening when I actually do talk about this in people that find it not like something that seems possible. Now, when I trigger people or create these spaces of maybe discomfort talking about how lit up I am, and when I see people be like, mm-mm, that's actually doing them a, a service, not a disservice. Mm. So um, that's been a big part. And that's also really connects to a lot of my healing with people pleasing and boundaries and all these different things that I've been working on. So it's interesting how healing in business, it relates to a lot of stuff that I have like had to confront and I'm still working on throughout my life. I think another one is it's the trust and never believe, never not believing in yourself because I went so long in my life, like always needing to feel, get the permission from the authority figure, whether that being the teacher, the parent, the whoever it is. And with business, of course, I strongly believe in coaches and mentors, but it's been a big lesson not listening to all the other voices around me, whether, Mm. you know, it's out of loving intention or not. (laughs) That's been a big, big part is like returning to myself and returning to returning to the fact that I have so much power in my decision making process. And I it's okay and safe for me to follow that. Like that's been something that I am stepping more into and it feels incredible, but also scary at the same time, Mm. because I wasn't used to that for such a large portion of my life. I've always felt directed in some way or pulled this way or pushed into this way or whatever it is. But this is something that is, it's just Nina, it's me. It's, and it just feels so, so good. And when I, when I'm talking about this, I feel it in my heart. Like that's the only sign I need. Mm. That's the only sign I need. So healing and business it's it's really interesting and I love hearing your story as well with it too Carly because there's so many layers to really unpack here but I'm constantly writing in my journal and reflecting each and every day like what I'm learning what triggers arise through my business why do I why do I feel insecure about this or do why do I feel specifically like mm, maybe unsure about this decision, whatever it is, there's always something related to healing and growth. And it just feels so good because like during my healing and growth process, I'm also able to teach and coach about these concepts and inspire in my containers through what I learned. So I think that's such a beautiful piece to being a coach is I strongly believe the challenges And the pain that I've experienced in my life, it can be used as service. Like it can just be used as service now. And that just feels so, so incredible to know. So I can go on about how incredible I feel in this space and how just absolutely grateful I feel to be doing this kind of work and knowing that it's just the beginning too. It's like, just the beginning so it's a lot of like right now and a lot of like childlike awe and wonder and I I feel like I have such a strong foundation now especially after being in your program and 
I'm just so excited for what's to come next. And it's, it's the excitement piece. It's the joy piece. It's the heart. It's like, that's all I need to know. That's, that's all I need to know that, to know that this is what's for me and made for me. And it is my Dharma. So Mm. yeah, I'm so, so, so excited. I'm so excited for you. You are such a powerhouse and you've seen such results in a very short span of time. In in being in such a formative build stage, you have still seen such traction. And that to me is the ultimate indication and proof, if we were to use that term of the fact that this is the path. Mm. You are so naturally brilliant when you're doing the stuff that lights you up. You are an incredible person, but doing the stuff that is like from like the heart centered place, like in line with what you know your purpose is to just give love to people and help them realize that they are love, like there's no more, like there's no higher expression of you yeah. and everything that makes you, you. So I'm so excited for this next chapter for you. You're yeah. killing it. Thank you, Carly. Yes. I, yeah, it's life is so beautiful. Yeah. It's, it's insane. It's just, it also shows like once you're doing something purpose-led, mm. how fast energy and your energy just rises. Like I wake up with so much of it, so much more of it than I used to. And especially when I was just doing the PhD program and wasn't doing something that really lit me up, completely different energy. Like I would not probably even like look like this (laughs) right now (laughs) if I was just doing something that I was like, ah, yeah, you know, like I don't carry this much enthusiasm in that program as much as this business. And it just proves like you, we all need that and we all have that. It's just tuning in and trusting yourself and not letting the noise, the fears, whatever it is, get in the way Mm -hmm. of you creating a life that is purpose-led and intentional. Like it, it changes the game and it's an act of service for following that too. It's mm. a deep act of service. It's not selfish. That's something I had I've had to work on a lot. Is like, who me getting to do this fun stuff? Yes. <laughs> I like me really no, but yes, Nina, you like this is service. This isn't really about you. It's so much greater than you. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, it's it's been beautiful. Very, very beautiful. I couldn't agree more. It's amazing to see you grow into this. What would you say? I know we're coming up on time here, but I, I have one more question that I think is going to be powerful to hear your answer to. And is that what is the one thing that you wish more women understood? Mm. Mm. One thing that I wish more women understood, it needs to, con- I, I, the ping that just came, it's, it's the love, it's, it's mm-hmm. the, it's how much love they are made out of, like, not just, but okay, and I want to break down love too, love also includes so much power, and so much like juicy like ideas and flow and like just 
within the concept of it, if we're intellectualizing it, it just includes so much there. And so I think all women need to remember, like, they are powerful, badass queens that can do anything that they want to do. I really believe that. And it's such an act and an expression of love to follow what lights you up and what excites you and follow your purpose and tap into it. If you don't know what it is, it's like, again, like we talked about at the beginning, just knowing who you are at the core and then everything will start to align. Everything will start making sense. But I want all women to remember is you have a fire inside of your heart and soul and it is so fucking powerful. And if you live with it and own it and embrace it, it will take you to places that you've never even thought of. Like it's pretty, pretty cool. So I think I'll leave it at that. It's like you are made of so much fire, love and passion and never feel guilty, selfish, crazy, weird, illogical for tapping into it or talking about it because we need your voice and we need your ideas and we need your love and passion. It's a gift to the world. And it would be such a disservice if you didn't, if you didn't live a life full of that. So yeah, I'll leave it. I'll leave it there. So beautifully said. You are so powerful and your fire shines so bright. So thank you for being such a model of this to all of us. How would you say people can best get in touch with you and learn more about you following the conversation today? Because I know that the people are good to want to connect with you. Ah, yes, please, please do. I would love to connect. Um, the best way to connect with me will be Instagram. You can find me at nina.gamel. Or you can visit my website, which is www.ninagamel.com. And I'm sure Carly can put all that in the show notes as well. This is true. I will put it in the show notes. So, oh, Nina, thank you so much for joining me for this conversation today. It was such a treat getting to talk to you. I'm sure you lit a little fire under the booties of every listener listening today. So definitely get in touch with Nina, everybody. And Nina, thank you for joining me. It was such an honor. Thank you so much, Carly. (laughs) Bye, everyone. (laughs) Bye, guys. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Creatrix CEO podcast. If you enjoyed this conversation, it means the absolute world if you can leave a quick star review or share your thoughts on the show. In the instance that you want to learn more about me and my business, you can find me on Instagram at Carly Chetton. Thanks again for listening and never forget your power to create whatever it is that's written on your heart. I love you and I will see you next time.